If you run a website, a niche blog, or anything, or even thinking about starting one, this is the episode for you. Today, we are excited to have Kyle Roof. Now, Kyle specializes in SEO optimization. He believes that while many people might claim that SEO is no longer viable or not working anymore, he shares his thoughts on the state of where SEO and blogging is today and where it's going to be in the future. Kyle also gives us his thoughts on AI and whether he is at all worried about the unreal advancements of artificial intelligence and content creation. He shares his latest strategy strategies to avoid Google algorithm updates by solidifying a website's EEAT, as well as using a content strategy called Compound SEO, which we go into full detail about in the show. Enjoy. And if you want help to build your side hustle to over $100,000 in revenue, be sure to go check out oneblogaway.co. That's oneblogaway.co. There I have a free course that you can check out and have the opportunity to work with me one-on-one. Now let's get into the video. All right, and welcome back to the Blogger Revolution. My name is Chris Miles, and here we have the privilege of talking with the man, the myth, the legend, Kyle Roof. Kyle, thanks for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. I know we had a couple of scheduling conflicts, but man, we finally got it together. We're going to get this in the can and let's go with it. So if you don't mind, if you could give give people uh, just a small background on how you got into SEO, who you are, and uh, where you are today. Sure. On those scheduling issues, those were a thousand percent my fault. <laughs> that, was, that was all me. I couldn't get my, I couldn't get anything together. Um, yeah. So uh, I've been doing SEO full time for about a decade. And a, uh, I used to be an attorney. I was a trial attorney and I did um, divorce custody and support. And uh, I decided I'd rather chew on shards of broken glass than do one more divorce. And um, I did what most people do. I moved to South Korea. And uh, nice. I, was, I was actually looking for like the lowest level of responsibility and like some opportunity to travel. And I really, I had never been to Asia mm-hmm. and, I, and I wanted to go. Um, my plan of just one year off turned into five years in South Korea. And while there I started a business and, uh, and in that business, I needed a, a pretty complex website and I had to go through several developers to, to get that website. And then um, once that was done, I realized I've got a really strong team here. I bet I could general contract websites. And so then I kind of basically opened a small web design and development company. I brought my brother into the company because uh, he does web design and development. And then I got the bright idea of um, going to India and opening a company there because I was like, we could kind of bring everybody in and uh, it'd be more cost effective and, and we'll get more production. So that was going fine. We had a thing where like the business was like the first floor was the business and the second floor were apartments. And so my brother was in India at the time. I was back in the U.S. at the time. And we were told you're going to get a shakedown from the police. And uh, there's a knock at the door and it's the police <laughs> and they go, we need to see oh, your wow. business papers. And so my brother shows the papers and like, these are the wrong papers. And he's like, okay, how much do you want? And instead of asking for a bribe, they put him in handcuffs and threw him in jail. So my brother's in Indian jail <laughs> and he's talking to the chief of police and the chief of police goes, look, these could be the right papers. I don't know. You have two choices. One, you can leave town tomorrow. Two, you can sit in jail and wait for the magistrate to come and the magistrate will sort it out. And my brother goes, well, when does the magistrate come? And the chief of police goes, I don't know. My brother's like, I think I'll leave town tomorrow. <laughs> so he runs back to the office. He grabs what he can. Our employees have fled. because so obviously they don't want to be involved in this. We get him out of the country and, and we start hemorrhaging clients because we don't have anyone to do the work. And um, basically my brother goes, look, I can take these four clients because he can, he can code and he can be okay. Uh, I don't code. And we had just started doing this thing called SEO that I had heard about. Um, and basically for me to pay the rent next month, I had to learn SEO that day in order to put a plan together to keep those clients. 
And then um, it turned out I, I wasn't bad at it. It was pretty good. And then I was able to kind of expand and and um, and get more clients. And uh, yeah, then one thing led to another. And I met my business partner. And about a year later, we opened our agency. Nice. Man, that is a, quite a story right there. So you basically got deported from India? <laughs> <laughs> well, I personally didn't, but I'm not sure I'm allowed back in. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got offered to to speak at a at a conference in India a couple of years ago, and I was like, yeah, nah, it's still a little too fresh. <laughs> not, not yeah, you better, better zoom in for all of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So that's a lot lot to unpack there. Um, you said you were an attorney previously, and that you had a uh, chewing glass as a hobby, right? So <laughs> <laughs> regardless, um, why do you think that SEOs tend to be former professionals? Because there's a, quite a few of them that were attorneys or engineers or i mean do you think that there's a correlation between there or is it just 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 coincidence well i do think like being an attorney or being uh an engineer is, is a, uh, a large part of that work is problem solving you know we are here and we need yeah. to get to there and obviously very different type of problem solving but um you think in a certain way you know you, you really become very analytical in how you're going to approach problems and that's exactly i think what an seo needs you know, you need to be able to say like, okay, our site is here, our goal is there. And then what can we do to get there? How can we um, do something effective in order to uh, obtain our goals? And I think that analytical thinking is ex extremely important. Yeah, yeah, man, you can just, you can ask my wife. I'm, I'm so black and white with stuff. It just drives her nuts, you know, <laughs> but it really does help. You know, it does help in our industry being able to, you know, see the problem and then literally, because it's very rarely ABC, right? You normally mm -hmm. have to go A to Z and then back to B just to kind of get where you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, with that target that's always moving with SEO, how do you stay on top of it all? Well, a big thing is is continuing to run tests, you know, to to not rely on a third party to tell me what's going on in SEO, but to actually do SEO and um, and, and stay on top of what works. And what do you mean by not relying on a third party? Well, you know, somebody can tell you what's going on in SEO and that's one thing, but you actually doing the work and seeing if something gives her a result or not is, is, is an entirely different thing. You know, knowing SEO and doing, doing, knowing SEO and doing SEO are two very different concepts. Yeah. Yeah. So I see what you mean. So instead of like, you know, paying attention to like uh, uh, us people who claim to be gurus or whatever, and then, and then um, actually going out there and putting it, you know, to use and then seeing how the, the market reacts is probably the best way. For sure. For sure, for sure. Gotcha. Okay, cool. That, that makes plenty of sense because, I mean, you got to be able to do it. And when it comes to the testing and stuff, I heard that you have like a, you have a patent on a certain way to test uh, SEO. Yeah. Um, in 2015, I, I spoke at my first conference and uh, the conference was a super high level conference, a lot of great SEOs in there. And I spoke on SEO testing and the method that I had developed to, to do that. And I thought it would be collaborative because it was such a small conference. It was kind of one of those things where the people in the crowd can kind of ask you questions as you're going. And five minutes in, I really thought, it was, this is how I'm doing it. How are you guys doing it? And then we kind of go back and forth. And about five minutes in the talk, I realized no one's doing this at all. And um, that's when I realized I could kind of carve out my niche on, you know, in the agency that we're um, mathematically and, and scientifically based you know we do the science we do the math work we're, we're not testing <laughs> we're running tests we're not testing on your site you know kind of concepts but um i was able to take that method that i developed on um on how to run a test and i applied, applied for a u.s patent i did that with a, a business partner of mine she had 
uh, done patents before. And she's like, I think we could do a patent. To be honest, it was more of a marketing thing where we could say patent pending. And, um, but then got the patent a few years later. It took, take, takes uh, several years to get a patent, but it came through. And so now I have a U.S. patent in SEO. Wow. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of like a process like that just being patent, but I can see how it would want to be a, a PR move because that would make the news in my opinion. <laughs> I am concerned that all I did was patent the scientific method more than anything, but you know, they, they gave it to me. So no take backsies. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like when you apply for a job and instead of, uh, you know, the garbage man, you're a sanitation engineer. So you just change a few right. of the words and all of a sudden slap a patent on it. Sounds great. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, when you were running, when you run tests like right now, what's like, are you running a, a test right now? And what are you finding with um, some of your latest tests with all these Google algorithm updates that have been hitting over the last year or so? Um, what are you finding is working right now in SEO? The last few things that I've been doing are just kind of playing with AI tools to see what kind of information they will they will return. Nothing too hard hitting, just more of a kind of see what's out there and, and what can be done. You mean like trying to see what Google, how they react to it? Yeah, and, you know, like playing with like what kind of information they'll kick back. Uh, and uh, more and more, I'm, I'm getting less and less concerned about AI. <laughs> you know, that, um, uh, I'm not overly impressed with what, what it's doing. And I think it's really just a glorified content spinner from 2012. I mean, if you think about it, that's really what it is because it's not a search engine, it's a language model. So what it's doing is it's giving, it's predicting the words that are associated with the question that you answer, that you asked it or the prompt that you gave it. It's not going out and finding any answers. And that's why it consistently gives back a very confident, but very wrong answers on a lot of things and why it, it won't replace uh, search engines. Yeah, I think that's a scary part about it because it can be so wrong so confidently. And if you didn't know, then, I mean, if you somehow convince the world that two plus two is five and, you know, ChatGPT just uh, spits it out to you and you didn't know, you're just going to go with it. And now you got misinformation going around and it's it's just a big problem. Yeah, it, it doesn't under, it doesn't understand nuance or sarcasm or, you know, or it doesn't take things in, in context. It just takes it as is. So if you were to say like this horrible person is great, it could read that and be like, oh, they're great. And then, and then it would include that in, in their answer, not realizing that somebody was being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. So like with ChatGPT and Bing and Google Bard, all of these things that are like, they're seemingly taking over the internet, right? And they're making these huge, you know, holistic changes to their search engines. Um, do you think this is just reactionary because it's the it's the chic thing right now or is there real concern for what can happen with seo in the future what i think is going to happen it's going to be like the chrome extensions that you use like a keywords everywhere or a serp works or something like that and it gives you enhanced search it gives you data that's interesting to you and that you need and so you kind of click that button and you get it that's what i think is going to happen more than anything and that's kind of what bing is doing right now where they do the search as normal. And then an AI tool does extraction of data and kind of puts it in on the side for you. I think that's what will happen. People will be able to customize that data extraction for the information that they want to see that's important to them. And they'll be able to customize that. But what I see in that situation, then is just another opportunity for optimization. So we optimize to get into that search result in the first place, but then we will also need to optimize to make sure that we get information into that, that uh, information extraction area where it's pulling out information and, and highlighting it. We want to make sure that our site 
uh, is, is information is put there and, and is prominent and is, and is what the, um, the user is expecting to see. So what I see more than anything is just another opportunity for um, more optimization, which is always good for us. As soon as there's another way to optimize, we all make more money. Yeah. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense because it's just, it, it, it can be like the sheet thing to just scream out, oh, SEO is dead, right? And everyone is just saying that kind of thing. But if you look at it as like maybe uh, uh, the feature snippets, right? When feature snippets started popping up, then we just came up with a way to optimize for feature snippets. You know, they always say marketers ruin everything, right? So mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to that, um, I can see how, you know, just us having to learn how to be the website that's chosen, I guess, with whatever. Yep. Uh, uh, it it actually ends up scraping or whatever it's doing. Um, well, okay. So say for example, you're using a tool such as um, a Surfer SEO, right? You're using mm -hmm. Surfer, and Surfer looks at the first page of Google, the first ten results, and then gives you everything that's going on on those pages so that you can know what to include in your page. Mm -hmm. uh, but if the first pages there are, you know, already scraping something else, you know, aren't you just always kind of just fighting to scrape up the ladder? And then what is the result going to end up being after that? Yeah, uh, scrape on a scrape. Yeah, it would. It, uh... So that's where I think also, if that becomes a problem, that's where Google and other search engines will step in and do more to uh, stop content that they can see is, is automatically generated, you know, through an AI tool. Um, you know, that, that's that's where that will come in. If the results go so bad, Google will have to do something about it. Otherwise, people won't use Google. Yeah, it'll, it'll go back to the e-zine days, right? <laughs> exactly. So, like, the um, the market will push that if people are dissatisfied with the with the results they're, they're getting. Mm-hmm. So, do you see, like, a situation where uh, the AI comes, like, a becomes proliferated like completely in the search engine and then Google has to do something to just, okay, we need to differentiate this. What can they use to differentiate? Well, I think they could already identify it. I mean, there are a lot of tools now that are pretty doing a pretty decent job of identifying content that is, that is AI generated. And those are free tools. I imagine Google must have a better tool in order to do that. And, and they can do, they can do detection at a, at a very uh, accurate rate. So I'm confident they've got that technology. It's a matter of whether they want to use it or not. Yeah, because some people will have the idea that um, we recently talked with John Gillum over at Originality.ai, and he mentioned that he doesn't think that Google really has the resources to really scrape every page on the Internet. Do you agree with that sentiment, or are you just are you confident that they can do it? Um, they, they, they cannot. And actually, you know, I would like to point out uh, my entire career SEO has been dying. Um, you know, there's always something there that's going to destroy it. Like featured snippets were going to destroy uh, SEO and, and no, it just created more and voice search was going to destroy SEO and no mass page builders from way back. were going to destroy it. Uh, the spun content was going to destroy. None of that has happened yet. And I think this situation with AI is much closer to mass page builders and, and spun content that was going on like in 2012 and in, in big numbers, how Google combat um, combats that is really through crawl rate. As soon as they identify that you might be doing something with duplicate content, they start to devalue your site and they will crawl it less. And so it, essentially they will just kind of push it to the side. Now it might be unfair if you're not doing that, but there's a certain amount of, I've, I know Google's okay with a certain amount of collateral da uh, damage. Let's say there are a hundred sites that they're targeting uh, that are doing something they don't like, uh, but there's one in there that is actually legitimate. They'll, they'll take that loss to get rid of the 99 that they don't want in there. And uh, that's kind of what they've done in the past with those types of situations where they start to identify, like, okay, this site is doing this type of 
behavior and we don't like that, they just start devaluing the content. They stop and they stop crawling the site. Gotcha. So are you using AI at all to create content or are you still sticking strictly to human writers? Uh, kind of depends on what the content is, but using it for a rough draft, I think, is a great uh, application and, and use for it. And also using it for topic clustering to get ideas on, you know, what kind of content we can put together uh, within, say, a content strategy. Uh, it's really great for that, too. It, it does it very quickly and does a pretty decent job. I would say, though, that, again, it's making a prediction. And so uh, are you familiar with centerpiece annotation? Is that something on your radar? Mm-hmm. The the concept is... Um, uh, when and the Google announced this uh, on uh, October of a couple of years ago, that what they do first is they they come to a web page and they try to determine what uh, that page is about. That's kind of like a step one. Once they feel like okay, this page is about X, then they go through each of the sections on the page um, to uh, see if it matches that main concept. And if it and if they do, then the then the page gets uh, full credit. If they don't, then they start to to to, to, to de- devalue. And it looks like in the, some of the last couple of updates, they may have taken that concept on the page level out to uh, the site-wide level. Essentially, is everything on this site connected? Now, one thing you can do to make sure that the, like the sections on your page or the pages that uh, are on your site are actually connected enough to pass centerpiece annotation is to look at the related searches in Google. You know, so the idea is you do the search for your terms, scroll to the bottom, look at those terms and start clicking out and see how far you can go to make sure that as you continue to get those related searches that you're finding pages on your site, you know, that you haven't gone too far astray from what Google actually thinks is related. And the reason that I bring that up is that you can do the same kind of thing in a chat GPT to get those results, but it's not the Google results. That's just what chat GPT thinks. So you can get topic clustering, but you still do want to double check it on like what Google is actually saying, because that's topic clustering according to this tool, but that might not be what Google thinks is related at all. So you can, so while it's good for like, figuring out topics and clustering, you do really want to check to make sure that you are on track because it, it seems very easy for me to get off track where Google thinks that this topic should be going in that direction and that's the content you need to write. But if you just relied on something else that isn't Google, you wouldn't know that. And you can actually really cause a lot of damage on your site accidentally by, um, by going with like kind of made sense, you know, it looks correct and you know makes sense but it's actually not what google thinks at all now before we get back to the podcast are you a website owner looking to make more money with your website well look no further than ezoic using machine learning ezoic creates personalized ad experiences for every visitor on your website increasing the revenue while also balancing the user experience i use ezoic on my sites and i think you should as well and with ezoic ads publishers can connect with money making popular ad networks and exchanges completely streamlining the process for getting ads onto your site quickly and with little intervention on your part Plus, with AI optimization and mediation, bloggers and publishers make more money and keep people on their sites longer, which is good for your website's SEO. So unlock the true earning potential of your website by enrolling your site with Ezoic Ads. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned publisher, start your free trial over at Ezoic.com. That's E-Z-O-I-C.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah. So would you say that you use Google as like your main tool to really cluster? I know you said that you are touching on using AI to do the clustering, but you're always confirming it with what you actually see within Google. That's exactly right. Um, you know, it, it's a good starting off point, but you do have to confirm that you're, you're still on track. You know, the, the secret is hiding in plain sight. 
Google shows you the sites that it likes. It shows you what it thinks is related to that. And you, you want to go and look at it. I'm always impressed with the number of people that don't look at the SERPs or look at the competitors. They just use a tool, which using a tool you should do because you have to fast forward the process. You can't go in and manually count things. But uh, you do actually need to look at the landscape, see what's there, see what type of pages Google's rewarding, uh, what's moving in and out of, of page one, uh, those types of things. And a lot of people just honestly don't look at it. And uh, when in doing that, if you're just getting the, the data from a tool and you're not really looking at what's happening in the SERPs, uh, something's going to get lost in translation. You're not going to be as effective as, as you could be. Right, right. Because you're just missing a whole piece of the pie, the, probably the biggest piece of the pie yeah. if you're just ignoring what happens. You know, I tell students yeah. all the time, you have to Google it and just see what's there. Uh, it seems yeah. almost too simple, right? Uh, but right. it's actually yeah. the best way to do it. And, and, you know, like the SERP features too, like some keywords have different features. You know, you might see that there's like an image carousel or you like there might be interesting people also ask that you didn't think about. You know, there might be uh, something that Google is testing, you know, trying and now a new feature. Those are all different optimization op opportunities. You know, and you can create pages for that or get those on your target pages in order to not just win in the SERPs, but win all those extra features as well. But you need to look at the SERPs to find out which features are there. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned the features. Uh, you know, I have, you know, a, a few sites and one of which I can't win a snippet to save my life. And there was a thing going on about the, the snippet ban. Is that a real thing? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> it does seem though, doesn't it feel like every once in a while that Google hates a site for some reason? Like, yeah, and it doesn't matter what you do. It just Google will hate you forever. <laughs> you know, like that does kind of feel like a thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny that the site traffic does continue to increase it just can't win a google snippet like to save its life really? and i don't know what's going on with it uh with this particular site i should say but i got other ones that you know i i barely i could put an article that barely scratches the search intent sometimes and it wins the snippet in a second because of the low competition is there any chance you uh you click the button for uh no snippet you can put no snippet yeah I, I, I checked that yeah i checked that as well <laughs> And um, it was a site that I acquired and it had the snippets on there. And then I think I when it, maybe I changed the theme or something and uh, and then the snippets literally disappeared like the next day. Hmm. So I was thinking maybe it could have been. But the old theme that it was on was terrible. I had to get it on something better. Yeah, it wasn't too terrible if it was getting you the snippets, though. <laughs> no, that's, that's that's a fact. Right there. That is a fact. So I might have to go look look at that. But um, yeah, I've even gone into the whole making sure that the code wasn't there to yeah. ignore snippets and all of this stuff. And it's been, I mean, the, the site still actually is doing pretty good. So I mean, I can't really sneeze at it. But man, if I could get those snippets back, the traffic would probably increase thirty percent on the site overnight. Mm. Anyways, um, so I'm originally from Louisiana, right? I'm from, I'm from the, the the good old South here in the United States, and uh, I, I saw in another interview that you are a fan of Southern Comfort, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I am. The home, the home of Southern Comfort. Why Southern Comfort? What what, what about it makes it so great? Oh, I'm hopelessly addicted. Um, and by the way, if anybody's like, "What is this?" <laughs> don't don't try it. It's 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 garbage. It's not anything you want to drink. Um, no, it's just, it, it was easy. It mixes with everything. Uh, it's not expensive when you're broke in college. It's, it's a good option. And I just kind of stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> there was this, uh, <laughs> vodka called Taka. I don't know if you ever heard of it, 
but <laughs> it's like the cheapest vodka on the planet. And when you're like I said, when you're in college and you don't have a few bucks and all you have is a few bucks to buy to buy something, you're always gonna go yeah. with a big old fifth of, of taka because it only costs like four bucks. So <laughs> I totally understand what no Southern Comfort, no, it is an amazing drink and I do enjoy it myself as well. <laughs> I think I have got a bottle over there now that I think about it. <laughs> hey, there, there you go. And you're traveling. That's that's, that's awesome. You're always prepared. Okay, cool. So let's go ahead and change up just a tad and talk about, uh, let's talk about eat. All right. Um, okay. We all know this, the thing that Google now is looking harder at. Uh, what would you say is more important, eat or backlinks? Oh, backlinks. Well, here's the thing. Eat won't help you rank. You know, anything you do eat wise will not improve rank. And I've had people say that, hey, I did all those things you suggested, but my rankings didn't go up. But that's that's because they're not ranking factors. But they will help you keep your rankings once Google does an eat check. And it looks like now more than anything, it's not an, an if, it's a when. And it's probably, for certain niches, it, it, they're, they're more strict. Like, you know, this thing rolled out with the medic update, so it's going after uh, YMYL, your money or your life sites. Sites that give financial advice or sites that give health advice. Um, it looks like it's spread out to pretty much all niches now kind of based maybe on a traffic bar. I'm not sure what that traffic bar would be, but once your site kind of gets to a certain level of importance, Google will check for eat. And the, and the basic concept is, um, you know, should your site be in the index in the first place? And it really comes down to like who is responsible for the site, who owns the site, who's responsible for the content. And you need to make those things crystal clear for a bot to, to look, to find those signals that say like, yeah, we are a real company. We're doing what we're supposed to do there. We, we are real people writing this and we're responsible for the content. So the backlinks will get your rankings up, but then at some point you will need to eat in order to keep those rankings. Okay. Okay. That makes plenty of sense. And I totally understand. So uh, what would you say you do to make sure Google can see that eat on your site? So the biggest thing you want to do is put in the schema and metadata. So it's one thing to have it on the page and you should have it on the page, but you should also mark it up. Uh, schema is a, is a tag that goes inside the code that um, search engines can understand. You know, the, you know, if you see like a dollar sign and then, you know, 4.95, you know that's a price. It's $4.95. Search engines don't necessarily know that. You know, they, they can, after a while, they might be able to figure it out. But you can put that in schema and say, this is a price. And then the search engine is like, oh, okay, this is the price. It makes it a lot easier for them to, to understand the content uh, on the page. So anything that you do for eat, such as like, you know, d displaying your business address, you know, your, your business phone number, um, uh, you know, the, the, the people that are running the company, the people that are your authors, author bio pages, within all of that, you can put all that information in schema, which makes it a lot easier for the search engines to understand, okay, this is a real company and these are real people. Gotcha. All right. So schema, which is something that I remember when I first started learning about schema, I was always afraid of it because it's like, oh, code, you know, and everything. <laughs> yeah. But uh, actually, once you learned it, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know, though, I still don't. I still avoid it. I always tell people do the schema and then I pay somebody else. I don't touch it. <laughs> I was like, you do it. And I get somebody else to handle it for me. Gotcha. So someone starting a brand new site, um, maybe it's an affiliate site, but, you know, they're going to go for the authority angle, you know, trying to hit hit all all, all angles. Um, how would they uh, establish eat if they didn't want to use like their actual, you know, names and stuff? It, it, are, pers are online personas dead now? I mean, you could do that. But the thing is, if you are running a business, you have to have a business address. You know, you must. And then that's the, that is a public record. You know, people should be able to find that. If you don't want to use your home address, you can use a registered address or a registered agent. That costs like twenty five dollars a year to do that. 
I would do that. Um, so, you know, like Google is increasingly hostile towards affiliate sites, but it's not because they're affiliate sites. It's because they want to hide who they are. So think about, let's say the affiliate site writes um, some content, somebody follows that advice and then they are harmed. Who, who can they find to, to get, you know, help? You know, who can they find to get um, restored to, to, uh, you know, to restore the harm? So if the, if that person is hiding who they are, I think Google sees that it's in the best interest to not put that site, you know, on the web because then people, you know, what if they just need a refund or what if they need a, a new product? They got shipped the wrong product. What if it's broken when they, when they received it? Um, those kind of things need to be answered and, and real businesses do all that. And they make it very clear how to do that. Affiliate sites don't. And so I can see that. I think that's why Google appears to be hostile to affiliate sites because they would much rather put in a, a business that is being very clear about the business that they're running than a site that's going to try to hide who's, who's behind and who's responsible. Yeah, man, it's it's tough though because man, so are the golden days of being able to just slap a site up that yeah. has a random that doesn't have anybody on it. I've seen plenty of affiliate sites that don't yeah. even have a person on it, just going after SEO keywords. So that officially yeah. is probably gone now, based on what you're saying. I mean, it'll work for a certain amount of time, you know, until you get you you get checked, and so it's it's a risk tolerance. How much do you want to put into that, knowing that at some point it will die, you know? mm-hmm. and I would also point out it's never one thing uh, on eat. It's ticking as many of the boxes as you can. So maybe you can get by without the address if you've got, you know, 99 other things. Uh, and if you want to take that risk, then you can definitely go for it. But you can I would put as much as you can uh, on there. And I think that gives you the best possible uh, best outcomes, the best, the best possible outcomes if you can do as much as you can, you know, yeah. even if you don't want to say put an address. So other than like what organizational schema and then schema on the business and everything, uh, is there anything else that you can do on page maybe to be helpful for eat? Well, you know, you do want different sections on your site, like, like a privacy policy, a refund policy terms and conditions, those types of pages. I don't think it matters what's really on the page, but that a link exists that is functional to those pages. Um, you want to have multiple email addresses and not just like a blank contact form. You know, like real companies have different departments. Now, administratively, it all might funnel to the same place. Yeah. But, you know, you do have different departments for, you know, sales, refunds, complaints, you know, that kind of stuff. Support. Um, those should be separate emails. You can put all those on the site. And, and But I think it's just a massive red flag when you see, or the, you click on the contact us page and you go there and it's just a generic contact form that you know goes absolutely nowhere. You know, that I think ease of contact is such a, a big thing. So the more ways you can show that you are contactable the better mm-hmm. yeah okay so that, that makes i like that i like that a lot because that's what i've been doing on sites recently and i have one site that actually has done pretty well through 2022 didn't really get hit by anything and i have a lot of those things you just mentioned in it and nice. i'm curious if maybe you know it, like you said maybe it hasn't hit a traffic threshold where Google's looking at it a little harder or whatever's going on. But as of right now, it seems to be doing okay, you know, like knock, knock on wood or whatever, but it's doing all right for now. Um, do you think these uh, algorithm updates with Google are going to continue or is this more like a prove it period for people who, you know, maybe they shouldn't be in a space that they can't stomach it? That would be interesting if like they come to a point like, okay, we feel good about where Eat is and we're not going to do any more updates on it. That'd be interesting. I, I doubt it. I think they'll they'll continue to run checks. The guys at um, Fat Rank, uh, mm-hmm. 
they run in the niches that get hit, hit constantly by eat like, you know, casino and gambling and yeah. supplements and stuff like that. They've identified uh, RaiderHub.com as a, um, uh, a possible referral that would indicate that you have been, you've, you've had an eat check. So you can go into Google Analytics, look at your referral traffic, and then f- see if RaiderHub.com has been to your site. And if it has, it's possible that you have um, been, uh, or you've already gone through your eat check. Oh, okay. That's interesting because they used to do that uh, previously. I forgot exactly what you would look for, but I remember a couple years ago, people started seeing a, a bit of a correlation on Twitter or something, how if you got hit by an algorithm update and you saw this particular domain in your analytics, then you knew that, oh, someone must have must have got me, you know? Uh, yeah. So that's probably something similar to that, right? Yeah. Now, that that's what they've identified. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, they have apparently taken a long, hard look at it. And that's the one that they're identifying. You can go to their site, too. Just uh, it's fatrank.com and then search for eat. They have several articles on eat. They're all pretty good. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's super important, especially in, in nowadays with actually, you know, treating your business as a business. You know, a lot of people don't like doing that for whatever reason. Really just us affiliate guys. But <laughs> regardless, it's best to do for sure. Now, let's go on to like um, compound SEO. Would you mind explaining what compound SEO is and how it works? That's the the branded term that we use in, in the agency for the concept kind of uh, if you do agency work, I recommend productizing your services. So that's the product. It's um, based off of Chris Carter's concept on avalanche theory. Uh, and um, if you don't know avalanche theory, I highly recommend going to Builder Society and checking out um, SEO with no resources. It's kind of the, the standard. I would mention, and I don't think uh, uh, Carter makes this claim, but it's not a complete um strategy. You can't just be like, this is all we're going to do for SEO. This is a foundational piece is how I would approach this and saying like, okay, this is what we do. Do all those things, you know, work, but then um, as you are putting together a complete SEO strategy, this would be, I think, one component of it and it's and, and a large component. But the basic idea is that your site has, an, uh, has a natural tier, a natural level of authority that Google will immediately trust you for a keyword. The example I give here all the time is, you know, you've got some long tail term and you, you threw it on a, a page and you really didn't SEO it. And you're just like instantly on page two and you think you're just an SEO God. And then you do a very similar term, you know, very similar long tail term and you can't crack the top 100 and you just feel like an idiot. What was the difference between those two terms? The difference likely is that one was in your tier. So Google just immediately trusted you for it and you didn't need SEO because you're, you're at the right level. And the other was not. And because it's not in your tier, then you would need to do boosts. Uh, and that would be, you know, more on-page SEO uh, backlinks or, or other external signals in order to get it up and, and move it up. And so then the concept is if you post in your tier, you can win uh, uh, keywords, impressions, and clicks with really no SEO. And then as you gain that, you kind of move up tiers, again, without doing anything that can get you in any kind of uh, issues. You're essentially Google update proofing your site because when Google comes in and slaps people for backlinks, you don't have anything to worry about because you built you know, your strength without backlinks. And um, so it's, it's a way to uh, kind of create evergreen growth that is nearly Google update proof. Gotcha. No, that's that's cool. That's cool. I like it a lot. The tier, when you're trying to determine your tier, are you using like uh, uh, some type of search volume to determine tiers for these keywords? What are you using for the search volumes? Um, you want to, you want to look at a three month span, uh, in search console and then throw out any outliers, but take your low clicks 
uh, day and your high clicks day, add those together and then take the average. So if your low clicks day was 15, your high clicks day was 100, uh, your average there is 75. And then you okay. can, what that means is you can go after keywords that have a monthly volume of 75. And you're doing that based on what, are you using a tool to figure out what keywords get 75 search volume? You can use any tool you like. Um, I would actually kind of broaden the range because when you're using a, a third-party tool for um, search volume, it's, you know, they're not always 100% accurate. So I would, if my my number was 75 or my tier was 75, then what I would do is I'd probably go, you know, 50 to 100 or something. I'd go back to probably that range and, and look in there for terms. The one other step, though, is you want to find, once you've identified your tier and you've I've, I've got a whole list of keywords that are within that search volume, you do want to then filter for low competition terms um, so that you can be more sure that if you post this content, um, it will rank without any SEO because it is in the tier and it is lower competition. Gotcha. All right. So that makes sense. So you still use like a keyword tool, even though it's not 100% accurate. You're still using one because you need to get the volumes at all versus, you know, just kind of guessing. All right, cool. Do you have any that you like in particular? Uh, in the agency, we use SEMrush. Um, and it's not because I think it's any better than anything. It's just, it matched up, uh, more with our SOPs in, um, in March of 2020, when COVID hit, we really freaked out thinking that, um, <laughs> like, are we gonna lose all our clients? And at the time we had all the tools we had Moz and we used it for this and we had, uh, Ahrefs and we used it for that. And we had SEMrush, we used it for this. We had Majestic, we did that. And we ended up basically getting rid of our entire, uh, tool, uh, suite. Uh, and got really lean and basically said like, okay, SEM Russia at that time had a, had, had the things that we could kind of match up. Like, okay, this, we're doing Ahrefs. We have it here in, in SEM Rush. I think we saved some of the, something to the tune of like 3000 to $4,000 a month, like getting rid of all, but I mean, we were scared, you know, like, are we going to lose all of our clients? What's going to happen here? You know, is, is, is the internet dead? Like who knows what's going to happen for Frank? It was actually really, yeah. Well, for, and what it turned out though, was like, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have been better. You know, uh, uh, our business exploded uh, during the pandemic. And um, so while we got really lean, then we got like <laughs> really a lot of clients and we got a lot better clients. And so our margins just absolutely exploded. And so for us, the, the pandemic was a really good time business wise. Business wise. Yeah. <laughs> you got to throw in that caveat because very similar thing happened in my business, too. Yeah, exactly. Similar thing happened. 2020 was actually awesome. <laughs> but it's a. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. I totally get it. All right. Um, let me ask you this. You know, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are uh, newer bloggers. Um, some of them are already running, you know, successful website niche sites and authority sites. Um, what would you say is the biggest mistake you see from seeing all of the sites that that you come across that people are making? Um, one mistake that people make all the time is is um, kind of uh, decision paralysis. You know, the idea that um they've got all these ideas and they're all fine ideas, but they end up uh, not implementing any of them, you know, and, and the only page that can't rank is a page that doesn't exist. So get something up, do something. And, I, and, the, and in a very similar concept too, a lot of people worry about their SEO, but they don't do any SEO. You know, they're thinking about it. They're worried about their site, but they don't actually do anything. It would be better to do something slightly wrong than to do nothing at all. You know, like, get something going, you know, even if it's not perfect, like maybe you could have done the technique a little bit better. That's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you just need to get something 
on there and going rather than not doing anything at all. So those kind of things are, I think, are pretty similar concepts. But you see that a lot, especially with newer newer people in, in the game or newer sites. They're just not doing anything. So uh, go ahead and go for it. The other thing I would add too is is um, in organization. You should have a three month plan. You know, you should know what you're doing for the next three months. And at some point, I mean, you, right now, you should be you should know where you are in that three month plan. And the reason you want to do that is it really helps you avoid shiny object object syndrome, where oh, this sounded really great and this sounded great. So every month you're kind of like coming up with a new plan. You don't want to do that at all. You want to do a three month plan. On uh, month one, I'm doing this. Month two, I'm doing that. Month three, I'm doing that. And then at the end of that sprint, you can evaluate whether things were effective or not. And in doing that, you know, you can then take some things out like, ah, that really didn't work and then plug something else in. But once you've done several iterations of that sprint, you're gonna have a very tight set of SOPs where you know that they give you the best chance for success. And then, because be, success in SEO isn't being 100% right. It's being slightly better than your competitors. Like that's that's the goal. You're not going to be right every time, but you just need to be slightly better than what your competitors are doing. And that's huge success. And that brings in a lot of money. And in order to do that, if you can do those repeatable processes that you know that if I do this, this gives me the best chance for success, uh, you will be very successful in, in SEO. So have a three-month plan, evaluate that three-month plan, and then tweak as needed. And then once you've done several iterations of that, you will be an expert level SEO. Yeah. You know, I like that a lot. Uh, you know, having a goal in mind is something that, especially when you start, we're all, you know, a lot of people are used to working, you know, for someone else, working their nine to five and just leaving it as that. But when you start running your own business, you have to come up with your own goals, your own, you know, uh, quarterly, you know, goals that you want to come up with. And if you, you might, I remember when I first uh, uh, started doing this full time, that was one of the things that I struggled with was not really knowing what to do when I woke up that day because I could work on so many things. Um, but having a nice defined plan, uh, I think that makes you know a ton of sense because you can constantly reevaluate what's going on. Um, yeah, I find that specifically helpful when uh, buying and selling niche sites. So like I'll have a site and then I'll mm -hmm. put a date on it and I'll say, okay, on this date, I'm going to reevaluate if I want to keep it or if I got to ditch the site. Uh, and a lot of people don't do that and they end up staying with a site too long because they never reevaluate it. Then they get hit by an algorithm update and then they lose the money. <laughs> you know, I'd rather get out of a site earlier while it's growing rather than waiting for it, thinking that it's going to constantly just go up and up because it's, it's probably not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, it, it's also um, this is about as hippie as I get, but there is something to intention, you know, and like actually stating it. I'm going to do this. You know, put it down and, and there is something I wish it didn't work, but it does. And it really annoys me when my hippie friends are like, you got to do a vision board. I was like, I know. <laughs> and when you put it on a stupid vision board, it happens and it's, it's just black magic. And I'm like, you know, like, oh, why did that work? You know, and, um, but yeah, so it is really important to have that goals, have the, have the plan, put it down on paper, not just in your head, put it down on paper and, and you really, you have a much higher chance of success. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to, you know, you're planning a site, you're coming up with, you know, you found a niche that you like, maybe you found a nice affiliate program that you're going to want to push or whatever. Um, when you're structuring your site, are you sticking to like nice, tight, hard silos or are you doing more linking, you know, uh, in terms of soft silos? Um, how are you setting up your site? 
Well, if I'm just getting into the niche and I'm not overly familiar with it, what I want to do is I want to look at, say, the top three, four, five sites, the ones that are constantly always winning um, terms. And I want to scrape as many of their URLs as I can. I want to try to match up what pages they have in, in common, you know, because then that'll kind of help put a content plan together, put a, a structure together um, that can be successful. And a lot of times people have like yeah, questions on URL structure, like, should I structure my URLs, product or service? Uh, service, geo, etc. What I do is I like to look at the sites that are winning and see what they do and then I'm going to emulate that. Now when it comes to like siloing, um, what I want to do is I want pages that they only exist to be in a silo. Like that's their job. Uh, you're gonna have other pages, obviously you're gonna have like resource pages or hub pages and they're gonna link to a lot of things on your site but I'm gonna create content specifically to, to support my target pages and I'm gonna put that into a silo and I use a virtual silo method where you're linking uh, to these pages uh, to each other within the body content. So um, the URL structure doesn't matter. They can live anywhere on the site. They can be posts or pages or a combination. That doesn't matter at all. But I'm going to link, I'm going to make that connection between them in a virtual silo, which is links within the body content. Okay. Gotcha. That makes, that makes good sense there. Um, do you ever like link to make like an important page on your site just so that you can show Google what's the most important one? Yeah, I mean, if there's there's a there's a if there's a target page like you know I identify like this is a page I want to show up in Google, so that's that's something that I'm going to try to make sure I'm getting internal links going to, for sure. And are you going to like? Uh, do you write content knowing that you have no shot at ranking for it, but you're just writing it just for topical authority? I guess. Yeah, you want to write that content, but just because you don't win that target term doesn't mean you're not going to win secondary terms. Healthy pages rank for hundreds, if not thousands, of keywords. Uh, and a lot of them actually might even not even appear on the page, but you had to write that primary term, you know, that was the main term to win those secondary terms. And so even though you might not win that big one because you're going up against huge, huge and huge, you can still have a very successful page that's winning a whole bunch of secondary terms. And often those secondary terms are more transactional, you know, they're more specific. So even though the traffic might not be as high, you actually get um, visitors that have better intent. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like when I first got into this um i was always taught like build like a review and then uh write a whole bunch of you know secondary articles around it and then link to the review and then just do that all over a site um but i've gotten a lot more into building out you know bigger categories bigger silos and then trying to keep everything nice and tight on the inside and it seems to be having some pretty good success over the last year or so that i've i've been doing um even when i acquire a site and then trying to fix the there's the structure there where people are just linking to anything all the time rather than having more intentional look at it. Um, how important is interlinking versus going after backlinks to you? I mean, you want to take advantage of your own authority first. It, it's a it's a huge part of what I do is, is getting my internal linking right. Because um, the more the only thing you control like 100% of is your own site, you know, the, the, the content that you're putting out and how and the linking structure that you're putting in, into place. The better you do on that, the fewer backlinks you need. That's just the bottom line. So I want to really focus on getting my content right. I want to really focus on getting my silos right, my internal linking right, the content that I'm putting on, you know, the clustering that I'm doing, how deep I'm going in a particular topic. I want to make sure I get all of that right before I start worrying about backlinks. Gotcha. So are you worried about linking out to authoritative resources? I know there's plugins out there that literally no follow every link on your site and then you got to go in and do individual exceptions. Are you worried about leaking authority, for lack of a better phrase? 
I don't link out a lot. You know, it, I don't don't do it for the sake of doing it. You know, like don't be like, oh, we have to have a. You don't. You know, if it makes sense to link out, then then link out and then give them the credit. You know, that's that's totally fine. But I don't like you know in my content outlines, I'm like, okay, we need at least two links going out to no, not at all. Um, you just want to make sure that if it makes sense, you know, if you need to give the reader more information or you need to cite something on where you're getting that information from, then totally do it and give them the credit. But otherwise, don't do it just to just to have an outbound link. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that because because, um, you know, you get stuck to everyone wants like a structure, step by step structure. And SEO is nothing is everything but, you know, because everything is uh, there is structure there, but it's like. It's an art form, you know, rather than an actual science, I like to say, because you got to make sure that you're doing the best practices. I mean, what's the, the answer? All, everyone always says it depends, you know, because everything, mm-hmm. everything depends. But um, OK, so look, we are getting close to the end of our time. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about pop and exactly how it works? And maybe if people want to go check it out. Oh, sure. So it's a on page optimization tool. Essentially, you put in the page that you want to optimize and. And then um, we grab your competitors and then we do what we like to call edge analysis, where we're not just giving you averages uh, on, on terms to use, but we're actually looking for places where you can beat your competitors. And sometimes that's doing more than they're doing. Sometimes that's doing the same as they're doing. And sometimes that's doing a little bit less. And then what we do is we break it up into different sections, such as your page title, your H1, which is the title that humans see, paragraph tags, et cetera, and how many times you need to get certain terms in those areas. Um, and then we kind of give you a total count. Um, yeah, but it's a lot of fun. It's effective. Uh, we, we, this came from the, the agency. We were using it internally. And then this was the math that we were doing. And uh, I showed it to some buddies. Would you like this? Would this look good for you? And they're like, yes, please. And um, then we built it out. Uh, we initially gave it away for free for about six, seven months on the back end of the agency website. And we kept crashing the, <laughs> the website. And I was like, I think we need to turn this into a, a real tool. So then that's when we created a SaaS tool. So, and it's a standalone SaaS and that's what it's been since. Um, we help with a lot of different parts of uh, the on-page process, like helping you brainstorm your titles, uh, finding like related keywords, related concepts, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it is very scientifically based. The tests that I've uh, run, those concepts go into, um, into the tool. So the things that we present are the things that we know are most likely moving the needle. So it's not, um, some tools go into like, you know, thousands of potential factors. We don't, we, we have about 50 that we really hone in on. Um, they're, they're more than that, but that, that's there. We also get into some other things if you want access to Google's NLP API, if that's on your radar. So the, the entities that Google can see in a, in, a, in a site, we've got access to that. And um, also all plans can get access to that as well. And I don't think any other tool does that. And then we also have a whole section on EAT, actually. So EAT, <laughs> and I think we're one of the few tools that has that as well. Eat. Why did they add eat. the extra eat? Oh. It was just fine as it was. Yeah, they got to do better with marketing, I guess. <laughs> they got the engineers trying to talk to the marketers and they don't know what's going on. You know, that's probably what it is. The engineers are making that call, right? And, and yeah. they just don't have anybody in marketing making a decision. Because, like, they changed, like, Google, stat, uh, uh, Google Data Studio to Looker Studio not that long ago. Yeah, why? Like, <laughs> it feels like every so often they just need to change a name for the sake of changing a name. Yeah, didn't they recently change the name to the uh, the webmaster guidelines or something? Yeah, they changed that name. I think it's just Google guidelines, and then they changed um, Google My Business to Google Business Profiler or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's 
it's crazy what these guys are doing. So <laughs> I, I guess, you know, a lot of what we talked about today had to do with AI and everything. So just to, to put put it out to pasture, I guess, are you afraid of what AI is going to do to Google search and websites? Not at all. I, I just think it'll be another opportunity for us. Things will change a little bit. You know, that that's how they always do when something like this happens. But that little bit is not going to be the whole bit. You know, we'll still be we'll still be just fine. <laughs> we have several years of SEO to go. What about like uh, buying and selling a site? Well, I mean, one thing that it, I think it'll really help with is is content creation and speed of content creation. So I think you would be able to, if you are buying sites, you can create content faster. But keep in mind, just because you can create it faster doesn't mean you're doing it right. So bad SEOs will just be able to do bad SEO faster. And, <laughs> you know, that'll give us, that'll give us all an opportunity, you know, like, it's, it's not like it's not like they're instantly going to become better SEOs. They're just going to do what they're doing poorly, and, and they're just going to do it faster. Yeah, gosh, yeah, and I mean that's to that point. You know, I, I a lot of times people will get into the SEO game and they'll start, uh, you know, trying to build up these sites, and maybe they don't have a 100% proven process, but then they want to go to a second site, a third site, and a fourth site, but then they're just replicating the wrong thing over and over again, right? Or if something yeah, that they exactly. don't know is working, they won't find out until months yeah. later. Now they have four rec sites rather than just one. You're right. Yep. So yeah, let them, let them do bad, let them do bad SEO faster, you know, you know, <laughs> let them do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not too worried about it either, uh, but man, this is a, this is like, there's so many things that are happening over the years, like we mentioned, the sky is always falling when it came to SEO, right? It's always yep. dying. It's always not going to be here next year. Yet Google still tends to be the most consistent traffic source on the planet, you know, and uh, I'm sticking with it. And it's nice to hear that, you know, people like yourself are sticking with it as well. <laughs> I'm not worried at all. All right. Awesome. Awesome. OK, so um, where can people find you and um, get in contact with you if they need or find, find your stuff? Uh, the easiest thing, uh, KyleRoof.com. You can go to that, and then uh, all my stuff is there. So that's probably the easiest uh, way to go. All right, cool. Is there anything that maybe we didn't discuss that maybe you think it would be uh, uh, applicable to you know niche site owners and, and bloggers and affiliate niche site guys and girls? Well, we covered a lot, I feel like. Yeah. Did, did, we, did we miss anything? <laughs> is, there some, is this a prompt? Am I, am I missing something that you want me to no, say? No, no. <laughs> Not a prompt at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just Kyle, uh, now would be the time to mention the. <laughs> you know come on you know yeah, <laughs> no it's not it. that at all get it out now. <laughs> nah it's just uh I, I, I don't like to think that i know everything uh, contrary to what my wife might yeah. think of me so uh <laughs> it's nice to um just 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 to see you know if there's anything else that you thought but if you think we covered it hey i'll take that too you I know we got it. i think we got it awesome That's well look one. i've yeah i appreciate your time kyle this has been an awesome interview and uh look forward to hopefully um you know being able to meet face to face in the future yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. We'll have some. We'll have some SoCo. Hey, I'm done. I'm I'm right there. It's, it's, it's already it's already happened to me. You know, this already this has already perfect. happened in my mind. I just need to realize it now. <laughs> that'd be perfect. I'd How does a Kramer say on um, on Seinfeld? Like in my mind, I'm already there. You know, <laughs> so that's, that's where I am. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, anyway, thanks, Kyle, right. so much for being on. Thank you.